1: Today's episode of Quick to Listen is sponsored by the Alliance Defending Freedom Church Alliance. The ADF Church Alliance provides more than 3,200 member churches with legal support for religious freedom issues. For more information, go to adfchurchalliance.org. It's Wednesday, September 26th, and this is Quick to Listen, where we set aside hashtags and hot takes to discuss a major cultural event. On today's show, Gadiel Rios joins us to discuss how the church has responded in the year since Hurricane Maria struck Puerto Rico. I'm Morgan Lee, Associate Digital Media Producer here at Christianity Today and i'm joined as always almost always sometimes
0: <laughs> not as much as you'd like
1: by mark alley
0: <laughs> here i am again
1: trying to read my mind not as much as i'd like exactly um, yes well you don't listen to the episodes when you're not here i don't listen to episodes <laughs> when i am do <due> here <laughs> all right mark so why don't you tell us a little bit more about today's guest
0: Today's guest is Gadiel Rios. He is pastor of La Iglesia del Centro in Arecibo, Puerto Rico, and founder of the Ministry Reformados and author of the CT article, The State of the Puerto Rican Church, One Year After Maria.
2: Hey, Gadiel, how are you? Hi to everyone, and God bless.
1: Great to have you here. I just was kind of curious, maybe you could tell us how you got connected with Christianity Today in the first place.
2: I think someone from the editorial staff, contacted me uh, through email when Hurricane Irma was going to stop Puerto Rico. Remember that Irma was one week before Maria. So they sent me an email. I don't know if the church, I think, has a website that is put somewhere, someplace, years ago. So they contacted a a church in Puerto Rico, and we started uh, going back and forth with questions about how we were preparing and after the hurricane also how the things were going on. So that's what started everything.
1: Well, awesome. We're really glad that you could join us today. So let's get into this discussion. Earlier this month, you could not turn on a television without seeing footage of Hurricane Florence. As of recording this, the storm has been blamed for the deaths of 42 people in Virginia, North Carolina, and South Carolina, and costing billions of dollars in damage. Yet, in many ways, national attention has already moved on. That's something that Puerto Rico knows all too well. It's been a year since the storm claimed 64 immediate deaths, and the storm has also led to the exodus of thousands of Puerto Ricans from the island and a sense of despair in the island at large. Like everyone else, Christians have struggled emotionally and spiritually, but that isn't the whole story. This week on Quick to Listen, we'll hear how Christians have responded in the aftermath of Hurricane Maria after the cameras have left. All right. Well, before we get into our discussion today, I want to remind everyone that this podcast is made possible by subscribers of Christianity Today magazine. And again, you can do that by going to orderct.com slash quick to listen. Mark, our October issue is already out. And I think that there was something that really resonated with you in our cover story for that issue.
0: Yes, the cover story was on, in a sense, the theology of work or faith in the workplace. My concern about The conversation about faith in the workplace up till recently has been it's tended to focus on white-collar professionals and the work they do and how they can find meaning in their work. Very little conversation has been done about the blue-collar side of things, a service industry, uh, factory jobs, jobs that it might be a little more difficult to find some sort of transcendent meaning in immediately. So I think we've done a good job of trying to introduce that portion of the workplace into the conversation, and I think readers are going to find it very insightful.
1: Yeah, it definitely seems like it's one of those things that can sometimes get looked over. But I will also say, where do we not overlook this, but on this podcast? So we actually recorded a podcast, as I'm sure you remember, last year, and it's called (laughs) Why We Need a Blue Collar Theology of Work. There
0: you go. We were uh, a year ahead of CT Magazine.
1: Hey, high five. (laughs) 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 That is also episode 74
0: if people want to listen to it.
1: But also, you should read the cover story.
0: It's not an either or. Obviously, there's a lot to be thought about prayed about, theologized about when it comes to the place of faith and work in our world.
1: So, yes, we recommend you read our cover story. If you want to do that, become a subscriber. You can do that, orderct.com slash quick to listen. That is orderct.com slash quick to listen. All right, Gadiel, I'm, I'm wondering as we start this conversation right now, how would you describe Puerto Rico for someone who has never been there before?
2: Puerto Rico is a very, very beautiful island. It's 100 by 35 miles, so it's small. You know, it's a small territory. Basically, it's near Dominican Republic. You know, we have Cuba, Dominican Republic, and Puerto Rico. They are the biggest of the the Antilles um, islands in the Caribbean. It's a very beautiful island. Uh, it has the only rainforest in the in the national park systems in the U.S. We have been a U.S. territory for 100 years, 120 years right now. People there are American citizens by birth, and and the relationship has been so far so good.
1: How many people live in Puerto
2: Rico? Right now, we have 3.2 million persons in Puerto Rico.
1: And you and I were talking a little bit earlier off the air about how many Puerto Ricans actually live off the island. What's the number for that that?
2: Actually, we have 5.5 million Puerto Ricans living permanently in the mainland. So at this point, there are more Puerto Ricans in the state than in the in the island.
0: And where do they tend to congregate? I would assume New York City would be one place.
2: We have a first big, huge emigration to the mainland on the 50s. If you think about West Side Story, that that's a story for talking about the Puerto Ricans in, in the Bronx, in Brooklyn. So that first wave was in the 50s and was mainly for New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut. So, so you have there a very big population that right now has in the it is in the third or fourth level, you know. Or. Uh, after that, we have now during this late, later emigration pattern, we have uh, a lot of people in Florida, mainly Orlando. Orlando, I think it is it is right now in a million persons over there from Puerto Rico. And Texas. Texas is the the third place where you will find a lot. I think we have a, a huge population also in Chicago. Third-generation populations in Chicago and New York, at least.
1: I'm curious. Obviously, all this Maria coverage has kind of been the big story that's come
2: out of Puerto Rico in the past year. But
1: before the storm, what were the biggest challenges for the
2: island? Yeah, Puerto Rico has been going through a very, very deep recession, economical recession. That is more than 10 years right now. Let me go very quickly on on the 2000s, more or less, when when the new millennium started. Puerto Rico has been, you know, the first 50 years of the century was an agricultural place basically. You know, poor people. We have a huge uh, industrial economic development after the 50s, um, uh, based on a lot of tax grants from the from from the mainland. So the, the last. Big tax grant that we have was the pharmaceutical industry. So we have a lot of high-tech industry, so from the 70s. Right now, a big population that is well-educated with master's and doctor degrees in pharmaceutical industry, biotech, everything. Every, every, every big-name company that you have in the pharma industry, we have a place here in Puerto Rico. So that tax grant expired on 2000. And after that, those companies started to move out. So we tend to go down the path of our recession here, started of the 2000. So you have already a, dec- a decade, a decade of of uh, economic problems. When if you remember the 2008 uh, housing bubble that exploded everywhere, mm-hmm. so it exploded here also, you know, uh, because we are part of the system. So so then you have a second big issue in your hands. In 2010, 2015, more or less like that, uh, then the issue with uh, governmental debt came in forward. If you remember Detroit, Detroit has an issue uh, with municipal bonds. I think on 2010, something like that, they had a debt of about $18 billion. Puerto Rican debt is $70 billion. Oh, wow.
0: Seven-zero.
2: Seven-zero, okay. Wow. Uh, in another 40 billion on the on the retirement accounts for the government people, so the the island is is drawn in debt. So now you have those political turmoil, you know. Puerto Rico government cannot govern itself because now the Congress took more or less control again of the finances. And when you are in that big issue, then Maria Struggos. <laughs> wow. And basically, Maria dis- destroyed the island completely. Wow.
0: When you say destroyed the island, you mean destroyed the buildings.
2: Ugh, everything. Uh Maria was a huge monster, you know. It it came to the to the east por- southeast portion of the island has a category five. In that particular area we got more than two hundred miles per hour winds. It crisscrossed the entire island. Basically the electrical and communication grid collapsed everywhere. Everywhere. That that's the main issue. If you talk about houses or buildings, we were already prepared because we are in a hurricane path. And because of hurricanes in the last century, a lot of houses here are concrete reinforced concrete base. so so you know a lot of houses were well built at this point. so the issue was not with the houses like what you're seeing in Florence right now. more the issues will be with communications, power uh, transportation obviously, we're an island, we have a mountain range in the center of the island, so access to those areas that are more poor are were Hit very hard.
1: So I'm I'm wondering if you can talk about the impact that the hurricane had on your church and the congregation.
2: You have an island that is completely, completely isolated from everyone and every everywhere. You don't have any communications. You cannot move. There's no work. There is no light. power. There is nothing. Even food. You know, we have everything for for one or two weeks. But that that was what was happening right afterwards, Maria. So a lot of people from the churches, in in our particular church, people lose their house because not all of the houses are concrete. So so a lot of people lost their belongings because of flooding or whatever. The same thing is happening right now in North Carolina. That first two or three weeks, we started sending people to the mainland. Because we have so many families on the mainland, we were able to send people out. So those first days... People tend to gravitate to the church. we there. We made some check on where was everyone and how was everyone. We had some money available because we, you know, uh, cash money. So we, with the church, we started handling uh, cash to our people because nobody was working. After that first month or second month that we were in the thick of the, of the emergency, if you will, people were just trying to survive. But when everything settles down and now we need to deal with the way that things are, we I think we lost more, more than 200 or 300,000 persons in those three months going out to the mainland. Everyone lost a friend. Everyone lost a, a family. Uh, the main problem that we're facing now is, is despair. And then because of despair, the people tend to go into depression. A lot of elderly people that now they're, their ch- children, you know, that are now professionals with families, went out to the States or going anywhere elsewhere. So people are feeling lonely, uh, frustrated. We are now giving a lot of care to the people. This is what I'm doing right now. And I think every church is doing that, working one on one with everyone because we need to go to their stories, understanding where they are, what they are losing. The issue here is is the loss, the loss of community, the loss of income, the loss of property, the loss of, you know, future, because as I said before, Puerto Rico is already going through a very, very deep issue, deep depression in terms of economic depression. So there has been an increase in suicide. So last month we did a a small um, uh, gathering of pastors in our church to start dealing with, with suicide in the church. Um, uh we, we are working toward that because it has become a very, very big challenge. So there is a, a lot of, you know, social workers, psychologists. We, we're gathering all the help we, we, we can have on the church and, and opening our doors to give, um, you know, counseling and, and restoration to the people. Uh, everyone is doing that. I, I have heard a lot of churches that are opening free uh, counseling resources in order to help.
1: How? much was the city that you guys live in at affected infrastructure-wise, and how much of it has been rebuilt?
2: After a year, what we can say is that at least we have power here and communications.
1: <laughs> After a year.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah. It actually took a year to get the 100% of the people with power. And it is repairs. Also, the system is still a weak system. Communications came, came back, I, I think, two or three months. Congress is not given enough money at this time, and this is not a political issue, I think FEMA is doing that everywhere because in the past has been so much everywhere. So they are very, very, very cautious and very slow putting the money forward. So I think Congress approved $40 billion for the restoration and reconstruction of of housing in Puerto Rico a year ago, and the money that has been released is just $1 or $2 from the 40, you see? Uh, that, that gave you a sense of how slow the restoration will, uh, it is going and will take.
1: Hey, this is Morgan from Quick to Listen, and today we are talking with Michelle Qureshi. Michelle was married to the late apologist Nabil Qureshi, and the third edition of his memoir, Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus, is out now. Michelle, I'm curious how being married to Nabil changed your perspective on your culture and on
2: your faith. I had never before heard of apologetics until I met Nabil, and I also knew nothing about Islam. So, as I listened to his teachings and spent some time with the people that he was closest to, I be- I began to truly consider for the first time why I believed what I believed. I'd grown up in a Christian household and been committed to God from an early age, committed to Christ as my Savior, but it was my first time looking more seriously at the evidence behind Christianity. And then also as I got to know his family, I, I also began to appreciate the positive aspects of both Eastern and Western cultures, such as... Eastern hospitality, and Western punctuality.
1: Michelle was married to the late apologist Nabil Qureshi. The third edition of his memoir, Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus, is
3: available to order now. God is a genius storyteller, and the evidence of this is threaded throughout Scripture.
1: Gadiel, I'm wondering if you can give us a sense of what the spiritual landscape of Puerto Rico was prior to Maria.
2: Puerto Rico, being a Spanish colony for four hundred years before US took control of the island, was mainly Catholic, or Roman Catholic as you know, the rest of Latin America or maybe South America if you will. But with the with the entrance of the US in eighteen ninety eight, missionaries came from Presbyterian Church, Baptist, you know every every mainland denomination came in, so we you know we developed a a good evangelical community that was growing after the sixties, so the last thirty years we have a huge evangelical population so so the estimates were that from the three point five million persons that we we had on two thousand, almost a million or so were evangelical mostly pentecostals if you will is the same as elsewhere in south america so when we talk about um, the evangelical community moving you know to the south and going brown puerto rico is one of those
1: <laughs> you, you said that there were you know hundreds of thousands of evangelicals that lived on the island did you have any concerns about the health of the church overall
2: with regards to theology Ah uh, yeah yeah, <laughs> I, I grew up in a Pentecost, classical Pentecostal church. I move and start as an assistant pastor on a, a third wave prosperity gospel church afterwards. So, so I, I saw everything. You know our church right now it's it's mostly charismatic in in but we are more Reformed theology oriented. Like del Centro is like a Reformed charismatic church if you will. I don't know if that exists, but... It does. We wrote
1: a piece about it, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's called The Rise of the Reformed Charismatics. So, yes.
0: You talked about the fact that you were involved in the third wave prosperity gospel. Can you give us just a brief overview of what the first, second wave was and what the third wave was?
2: And the first wave is called the Pentecostal Movement in Azusa in, in California, remember Los Angeles? Second wave, it is the charismatic movement in the mainline denominations and Catholic. I see. And then the third wave is what, you know, the Dr. Peter Wagner and Vineyard movement, that type of movement that I think a lot of things were done very good, but the extremes are always bad. And prosperity gospel, you know, that third wave that is the apostles and prophets and everything, I think there are a lot of imbalances on the theology there. And if you think about it, all of us in Africa and also in South America, uh, what is called the, the animistic theology, you know, that People are more sensitive to spiritual realities, if you will, less rational or more emotional. And sometimes that, that's not bad because you have a spiritual realm. You are in a, in, a, in a war with the spirit. You can see exorcisms. You can see divine uh, restoration, healing. You, you, I saw that. Obviously, when you see these movements, they tend to go to extremes. And this is happening in the States also. Extremes in in prophetic movements, in in ecstasies, and a lot of things that I think are are hurting, hurting a lot, the Church of God, because this type of movements uh, tend to go away from the Bible and just, you know, go in experiences. And that's very bad. That's very bad theology.
0: So it is true that there are many pockets in which it's It's done in ways that are very inappropriate, theologically inappropriate, certainly. But in the churches I traffic in, which have been Presbyterian, Episcopal, and Anglican, we could use a little more of the Spirit.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. We're trying to, at least in our church, and I think it is growing everywhere, I hope so, It's people deeply committed to the Word, deeply committed to the evangelical tenets that came from the Reform, the Reformation. But if something we can grab from the Pentecostal movement is that sensitivity to the spirit? But you know, if if you ask me, the last 30 years we were immersed in prosperity gospel, uh, like you know, like the one coming from from the mainland. So, in my view, that was very bad. That theology, especially in places where you have a lot of people with low income, like Puerto Rico, you know, we are our average income is less than the one you have in Mississippi. That is the lowest in- income yeah. in the states. Wow. So we're a, a poor island. So, you know, Prosperity Gospel uh, brings you those promises of health and wealth if you give money. Uh, that's why it has prospered a lot in, in Africa and in, in South America, because you're dealing with people that need to get out of, of economic poverty. Uh, we, we suffer that. So that the spiritual climate, even we were thriving, you know, and the people were worshiping a lot and going to church it was due to the promises of the prosperity gospel when maria struck us um, it was a reality check for us it was really a reality check for us because a lot of people now needs to see reality as it is and see that god will move on uh, on the good days but also on the bad days and on the bad days is the same god Uh, And uh, the times of of suffering are from God also and are for our good. And I hope our evangelical community here is now understanding that.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting comment you've made. I've been spending a lot of time in the Psalms the last couple months, and that seems to be the psalmist's faith. Yes, for sure. Yeah, both in good times and bad. Even when he's complaining about God, he still praises him. This is an amazing, amazing book, the Book of Psalms.
2: After Maria struck, you know, we have a lot of mainland uh, churches coming in. And we started meeting as pastors. Some pastors from the mainland started meeting the pastors locally in order to reinforce, you know, help us during our grieving and, and, and uh, this period. And one of the things that was very good is that basically all of the churches, when they started meeting again, we tend to gravitate to the Psalms. Because in the Psalms, you see men of God going through very very bad times and 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 expressing their feelings and expressing the frustration expressing everything but at the same time due uh, due to that uh, prayer time and that grieving time the spirit of god will work inside you and put some uh, you know confidence and and hope and we we actually lived through that during those sundays that we were able to meet i can, i can assure you that
1: Where have you personally felt God's presence and power in this past year?
2: The body of Christ actually working, (laughs) as it is intended. So I think for a month or so, we were helping all of the families we have over there with money that was flowing from the states. It was such a blessing to see that immediate movement from, from the churches in the mainland. And this is the miracles, if, if you will me. The first Sunday after Maria, one uh, North American guy walks in, in church to the Sunday service. He just came in. We finished the, the service, and he came to me, and he handed to me $5,000 in a check. Wow. Just to give to the people. I want to thank you, everyone that is hearing this, because it was an outpouring of grace and love from the church. And when you saw the huge amount of love that came from the churches over there, from the mainland. You know, it's it's such such a blessing. I I, I cannot express with my words. Such a blessing to see. And after that, obviously, we we get back in our feet. And now, pastors and and church communities, we are working with our people. I think a deep sense of community has been restored, like the sense of community in Acts. I can say that freely. On past Sunday, I was preaching at church. We are going through Acts. I am doing systematic or, or expo- expositional preaching in other church. For the whole year I have been in Acts. And every time you see a, a new church, or uh, the church gatherings that are explained or are, are described in Acts, I can see our church doing that right now. I think that that was one of the good things that this trouble gave us. They gave us a new sense. It gave us a new sense of, of community and that we need to, to be there for each other and that God will work his way through our love to other people.
1: For our listeners that are hearing this episode and what's going on in Puerto Rico, how would you recommend that they support and pray for you guys in this situation?
2: Pray for the for the restoration of the island in terms of infrastructure and everything. Yes, that that's a good point. But I think this is a very good time for spiritual renewal. Of the church and the people here. Please pray for God to work through the church, to revive the church in Puerto Rico uh, because we will be able to ministry to the to the community at large if we are okay. And I think we're getting out. I think uh, there is revival going on in, in several places and and if, if the community at large can see God in the church, then the, the evangelist, you know, the good news will be real to them. And then we will have a, a lot of converts, a lot of good things happening to the island. And uh, we, we pastors, we we know that what Puerto Rico needs besides money or work or whatever, we need to get back to God. And actually the church needs to get back to God. Uh, and, and I think we're doing that.
1: Gadiel, thank you so much for sharing about this with us. If anyone has questions or comments, they are welcome to send them to us. We're at podcasts at christianityday dot com We're also at c t podcasts on Twitter. Now is the time of the show that we call precious moments, which is when everyone gets a chance to share something that has brought them joy in the past week.
0: Mark, you are up, yeah, last weekend, I took a riding slash fishing retreat, which i uh ride in the mornings and fish in the afternoons, and it was extremely successful. I was really making significant progress on a book I'm working on for CT on just this theme of returning to God. And then I spent some time on the Green River in the driftless area of Wisconsin. Fooled a few fish into uh, biting on an artificial fly.
1: Did it live up to its name when you say Green River?
0: Uh, No, no. It's oh. <laughs> well, <laughs> just called the Green River. It was it's kind of brown because it, it had uh, uh, rained a few days before, which makes fishing a little more challenging. But it was still good to be out in, as they say, God's country. Yeah,
1: Absolutely. And especially if you're feeling productive from writing, to then get to spend the rest of the day outside yeah. is Because I can't write
0: all day. I, I just get exhausted after about four or five hours. But uh, then to do something physical is nice.
1: Where can people find you outside? Yeah, I,
0: I published something called The Galley Report, which can be found at uh, christianitytoday.com slash thegalleyreport, G-A-L-L-I. I uh, link to articles and comment on them.
1: More interesting than it seems now. <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Many people seem to appreciate it for some odd reason. I enjoy writing it, so I'm glad there are enough people out there to, to read it, to make it worth our company's time for me to do it.
1: Well, it sounds like you're a strong curator.
0: I do. I read, I read or skim lots and lots of articles to find out what I consider to be the four best in, uh, that I've read any given week. Ah, so. see,
1: that already Already sounds more interesting. Okay, awesome. Gadia?
2: I will mention just
1: one thing that we were talking
2: before. Last week, I have a very, very good dish of mofongo. <laughs> so the people that are that eating are mofongo is a Puerto Rican food. It's just plantain, fried, smashed, and then filled or stuffed with whatever you want, uh, you know, lobster or meat or whatever. So it's a huge, popular uh, dish. I had one last week with my family. So that was a joy, I, and I thank God for that. <laughs>
1: So is this something that people eat only at parties, or do they eat it just all the time? No, all
2: the time, all the time. Well, Puerto Rican food is very good, but you know that, Morgan, so <laughs> we can talk about that for an hour now. <laughs>
1: yeah, actually, I mean, I told you earlier that I made jibaritos earlier this summer, but I actually shared that here on the podcast. So this is not the first okay. time that we've talked about Puerto Rican food on Quick to Listen. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's say if someone wants to eat mafungo, can you just spell it for people who don't know how to spell mafungo?
2: Mafungo is M-O-F-O-N-G-O. M-O-F-O-N-G-O. Mafungo. What's the name from? Do you know? I don't know. I don't know. I just <laughs> eat it, and it's just so good.
1: <laughs> Gadiel, are you on social media at all, or do you have a website or anything? If people want to find out more about yeah, you afterwards. Yeah.
2: The church is dot La Iglesia del Centro. It's in Spanish. La Iglesia del centro.com I am in Facebook, Garia like, Rios, and and in, in Instagram everywhere, so you can find me over there.
1: Yes, and just another plug for people to read the article that you wrote in our September issue, which is called "The State of the Puerto Rican Church One Year After Maria," and I highly recommend that piece. We will put a link to it in our episode description. Thank you. My precious moment this week was probably coming back from a wedding that I went to in Michigan. And this wedding was basically on Lake Michigan. For those of you who do not know Midwest geography, on one side is Illinois, just below Lake Michigan is Indiana. And then on the eastern side of Lake Michigan is actually the state of Michigan. And we were driving Back from this wedding and the sun was setting and we stopped at the beach and it was really awesome because from where we stood at the lake, we could look straight over and see Chicago.
0: That clear, huh?
1: That clear. That's good. As the sun set.
0: That's awesome. Yeah.
1: And then I just like almost went swimming. I didn't almost go. I like got in the water. It was awesome. It was really warm too. Yeah. It was just a really great moment because as almost anyone understands, if you can't see that same sunset in Chicago because of east and west stuff so this was really cool to be on the opposite side of it and be in nature and sometimes I give the midwest a hard time for being kind of ugly so this was (laughs) a time where i did not feel that way all right people can find me on twitter at m-e-p-a-y-n-l that is it for us this week thank you everyone for listening to another episode of quick to listen this podcast is produced by myself richard clark and cray allred our theme music is by sweeps You can support this podcast by becoming a subscriber of Christianity Today magazine. We're at orderct.com slash quick to listen. You can also support the show by rating and reviewing it. Please do that on Apple Podcasts. We truly appreciate all of you who have done that. And this podcast is available almost everywhere where you get your podcasts as well. We will see you next week. Bye.